podcast featuring ordinary men of extraordinary faith. This is Mana. Hey everybody, thanks for tuning in to another episode of Mana, podcast featuring ordinary men of extraordinary faith. I'm your host, Jeff Peterson. Now, none of the guys uh, you're going to meet on this uh, podcast would consider themselves to be extraordinary, but it's their humble, holy way of living that is exactly what makes them extra. And I'm excited for you to meet them. Uh, now, today's guest, uh, while today's guest spent the last 30 years, almost 30 years, building a very successful wealth management practice, he is the, uh, he's the fur- furthest thing uh, from a tax collector or a thief. <laughs> Uh, Jesus and uh, and Matthew, maybe for that matter, would uh, would dig hanging out not only with him, but the entire financial advising firm he and his partner, who's another good friend of mine, have built with a very unique focus on helping clients redefine their relationships with money to live lives from a perspective of abundance, not scarcity. Could be the longest run-on sentence that I've ever said. <laughs> Outside of his day job, uh, which is as much of a vocation, I think, as it is a career, he has served on myriad nonprofit boards. Is a devoted husband and dad, and uh, I think we've made our connection. You are a master metaphor maker to boot, and I'm a big metaphor guy. So, uh, welcome today's man a man, Mr. Ted Contag. Hey, Ted. Hello. Thank you. Glad thanks, to be here. Thanks for uh, very exciting. Thanks for being on Mana and um, and uh, as folks who have uh, who've tuned in and, and listened to Mana, um, you know that um, you know all the guys on the show. Uh, you're all incredible, um, humble but incredible men of faith. And so there's uh, many many things that that have drawn me to you and, and that inspire me. Um, but you all have unique things, uh, and and so. While we've got uh, some questions that we'll we'll tackle here over the next few minutes, I'd like to start each uh, show uh, putting our 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 guest uh, our guest du jour on the spot by really talking about the thing that is very distinctly uh, unique and wonderful about you, and 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 it relates and it relates to this vocation. I think you know what you have done and the commitment that you've had to take uh, a a field of work. Um, which I do think, you know, I made a joke about Matthew, the tax collector, and, you know, it's, 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 a, it's a field of work that I think for, for men of faith, for anybody of faith, you know, when, we, when we're sort of trying to reconcile lives of purpose and, you know, meaning, you know, uh, a lot of times, you know, we look at anything that either makes money or makes other people money as like, wow, that must be, there must be uh, hints of evil to that. And, and you have, 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 have taken that career and really carved out a neat space where you're helping. Thank you. You're, you're helping people, as I said uh, in the intro, really redefine what their relationship with money is, and it's just it's very very unique and something that I'd love to I'd love to kind of kick off by by talking about this and, and having our listeners understand really, you know, what you're doing uh, and 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 really kind of where it comes from, you know, because I think, uh, as I say, it's not a natural. You know, you meet a lot of good people doing. Uh, stereotypical good work, like, you know, building, you know, digging wells in villages or, or, you know, being pastors of parishes. And here you've taken this, you know, presumably um, sort of 
corrupt <laughs> field of work yeah. and really money gets a bad name yeah and and really infused it with so much meaning and so i'd love to have you t start and just talk about where that where that kind of came from and, and and even if when you go back and think of how you got into this line of work did you know was this a little bit of a robin hood kind of a thing like you know what i'm gonna get into this and i'm gonna do i'm gonna do it right or was it something no. you kind of evolved I, I i got into this for probably all the wrong reasons a quarter century ago i guess 20 26 years next month um, I, I think um, I, back then I just needed a job, right? I needed a job and had needed to make some, you know, make some money. I was not long out of college. Um, and the first even few years I, I struggled to, to find meaning and joy in the work. It, was, it, was, it felt like selling stuff and maybe stuff that people didn't need. Um, a really good friend of mine, um, who's become a good friend, uh, he became my boss then. Um, his name's Tim Schmidt. And... Um, uh, he was brought to be to be my man managing partner, and he really opened my eyes to the fact that the work that I'm doing is changing lives. Mm -hmm. It's affecting generations of families, and that, that was that was when I first started to get it. Um, we, we I started to build a practice around helping people to understand what it means to to, to take care of themselves financially, mm -hmm. but to also get to a point where they're no longer. Um, worried about themselves yeah. and they can find a, a place of, of comfort and peace so that they can make a positive impact mm -hmm. in the world. And how did Tim, so how did you meet Tim, by the way? Um, so I'm, I've been with uh, Thrive and Financial for those all, all 26 years of my career. Um, and uh, we've built now um, an independent practice of Thrive and Financial called Parable Wealth Partners, like, like the story. Yeah, um, there you go. Cha changing the story of wealth um, to one of hope and contentment. And um, Tim uh, was brought here um, to kind of reorganize some of our, okay. some of the advisory teams. And um, so he kind of planted, changed, changed the career, kind of planted that seed. And then, sure. and then you really kind of took it. And I think we took it and, and, uh, and we were successful. And, and I, I, I really think um, in looking back, I didn't, I didn't realize it at the time, but in looking back, um, people are really, um, People are thirsty for, 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 for what we are able to offer, for our brand of, of financial planning. Um, I think people are tired of being told they're not good enough or they don't have enough or they, um, they're tired of feeling like there's scarcity. Um, I mean, when you, when you open up the Bible, I mean, if you talk, it's, not a, it's not a message of scarcity. Mm -hmm. it's, an, it's a message of, of, of endless, abund uh, endless abundance. And it's it seems like um, marketing takes um, fear in marketing works, and scarcity mm -hmm. in marketing works. Mm -hmm. So I think that when you uh, look at the number of messages that you receive in a day that say you don't have a big enough house or a big enough car or enough stuff or you won't ever be happy, you won't ever be able to retire, you're going to be old and sick and broke mm. unless you save more or hoard more. And I think there's certainly a, a place for setting dollars aside. Absolutely, I mean, I'm, in, I'm a financial advisor, but we also want to take a look at quantifying abundance yeah. and, 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 and identifying that based on what you want to do and who you want to be and the impact that you want to make on this world, um, this is the path to yeah. enough. Yeah. And then we get to ask the question is, all right, who do you get to be because of that wealth? Yeah. Who do your kids get to be? 
And that's when it gets that's really cool. fun. And do you find, you know, one of the things about this show is it, it sort of operates on the premise that, specifically with men, that, you know, men are walking around and they actually do <coughs> have a lot of thoughts and have a lot of, 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 of reflections and, and want to talk about faith, but sometimes we just don't have enough good examples of guys like you who, who live and talk so effortlessly about, about things that matter. And so that when we do run into guys that do, then we're like, oh my gosh, yes. And so do you, have you found that to be similar in, your, in this sort of brand of financial planning where people actually do want to, they do want to talk about money in these ways, and, but they just needed, you know, somebody like you, somebody, you know, from like Parable to just start that conversation. Like, are you finding that our clients like almost like, oh my gosh, okay, finally, like, I'm so glad, you know, because they've been surrounded by all of these messages and all of these expectations that it is about return and scarcity and, or, or have you found it to be like, have people had to kind of come around to it? You know, like have, how much teaching are you doing about redefining money versus people are like, oh yes, finally somebody's speaking my language, you know? I, I think it's, it's, it's both, it's both and. I mean, people, people walk in, I mean, for the very first time, of course, as a skeptic, not because of anything that they've heard about us, but, you know, financial planning. I mean, people, one, don't like to talk about their finances. They've never been taught how to. Parents don't talk about finances with their kids. And then, so the financial part is, you know, people keep things close to their vest. And then planning, most people are not excited about planning. It seems tedious. It seems, so, so financial planning does not really lend itself to, you know, people being really excited about doing yeah. it, right? <laughs> right? So, um, but but I think most people come in and you know, they walk to the door, they sit at one of our conference tables and, and hear our message, which is not just about the money. It's not, I, I think they're expecting this to say, you're not going to have enough, you better save more, you better spend less. And while we, we will often say, Yes, you could save more. Yes, you could spend less. Our message is always one of, for what? You know, why, why do you need more? Yeah. And what's it for? And so as we talk about our, our brand and, and what I truly believe, I mean, wealth is at the core of what uh, um, Jesus talks about money more than any other topic mm-hmm. because it, it's, it's what we use to judge ourselves. It was, it's what we use to judge others. It's how we value people and value things, and and, uh, and that gets in the way of the rela- of other relationships, including with God. Yeah. And and so I think um, when people hear our message, our story, our our mission, um, a couple reactions. Generally, it's one of um, okay, where have you been all my life? <laughs> I hear that, <laughs> or or wow, I finally feel like I'm home, or yeah. this finally feels right. I had a woman in the other day who talked about um, she was with a with an advisor and, and she, she explained each of the situations that she'd been through and and they were, they were awful um, and then they, they had to switch to a different advisor and that didn't work well and she she sat in uh, at the conference table and and we talked for maybe an hour and a half and she just she just you could see her whole demeanor change mm-hmm. her shoulders dropped she wasn't anxious anymore and she says you know what I, I, I think I'm home. This is this is right. Yeah. Um, so I, yeah. Well, and what a gift to be able to for anybody, but especially what, what I would say in 
know, in some of these very sort of conspicuously sort of um, at least assumed to be conspicuously secular areas of like money, even though, like you say, Jesus talks about money all the time. Jesus wants us to be happy. He wants us to be, you know, uh, live lives of abundance. It, it's, it just has to feel so great to be able to marry up this deep sense of purpose that you have and meaning to to an area that is so, it, you know, uh, it's every day. I mean, even if people don't want to talk about it every day, it, it, we are surrounded by our finances and, and what we're doing and the legacy we're leaving for, for our kids or the bills that we're paying on, on Sunday. And so to be able to, to, to be working uh, with, with so much purpose in an area that is just, it's unavoidable, you know, um, it's, it's got to just feel so great. Where, where does that, like growing up, where have you always operated with a sense of, you know, kind of wanting to find kind of meaning in everything or, or, or is this something that, you know, was just was it animated after you kind of got like like you said you got out of college just like all of us and just especially back when we both graduated it was, we just right. wanted a job because yeah. the, the economy stunk it was horrible it was horrible yeah. and um, but 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 thinking back to how you you know you grew up I mean was there was there a, a sense of you know making sure that you were using the gifts that 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 you had for good or at least looking for opportunities to be you know I don't know I I didn't grow up overly or faith-filled. Um, I, I remember. I, re- I remember my um, uh, going to church, and my parents would put um, uh, some some money into the plate. I remember, or I, actually, before we went to church, it was going into the envelope. I remember taking it out. I was probably six or eight years old. Like, that, that's that's more than they need. What are they going to do with it? And so it wasn't that. I, I think I think my life. Um, my my spiritual life, I would I would probably um, blame my father, in a good way, mm-hmm. helping me figure s- see stuff. Um, what did he do? What was his? He, um, so he he was a uh, a veterinarian. Um, I grew up in New Ulm, uh, New Ulm, Minnesota, um, small town, youngest of five kids, um, but substantially younger than the others. So they were all in college by the time I was you know, six and. Between six and ten, they all went to college. So I was kind of, kind of out of all the issues. I have an youngest child issues. I have <laughs> only child issues. Um, but he, he really lived a life of service. That's where that, it, it wasn't like um, he didn't talk about his faith. He had enormous faith. Yeah. But he just he lived it out. He he um, he never told. He never said, Ted, you leave every situation better than you found it. But I knew that's what he meant. Yeah. And and that's. So we, we, we live, I try to live my life this, this way. I try to, our, our practice, we try to leave every situation better than we found it. Mm-hmm. And um, f- from the smallest to the, you know, to the biggest yeah. situations. And I think that, that's probably um, h- how, I've, how I've lived my life. Yeah. So as you go through um, other facets of, of this practice now that you're, you know, you're talking about, you know, you've, you've created this, you know, kind of, not sub-brand, but kind of like your own sort of brand with Parable and, and, and trying to grow that. How much, because um, I think your other guys have mentioned that that similar sentiment of, you know, um, they, they were raised and they saw they have these great role models that just, whether or not they were saying, you know, I'm acting like Jesus now, they just 
they by their actions they were being surrounded by these examples of 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 just kind of how to live and so as 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 you're going through your days here now at parable and you're talking to new clients and you're bringing in new employees how how um intentional or overt is the you know christian faith filled influence of your of your of your of the of the perspective and of and of the practice or is it that it's just it is just this sort of like well this just makes more sense you it's know what i mean it's are. more it's just it's, who you it's are who we are it is not overt yeah. um we, we our clients are, are, are i would guess many of them are christian um i know that not all of them are mm-hmm. and um and uh, but but i think the, the way we live way we run our practice, the, the, um, the, the decisions that we make, I think we try to really, um, we simply try to do what's right. And I think that aligns with um, what the, the biblical principles would, would demand yeah, yeah. of us. That's great. That's great. All right. Well, we have made it to, uh, we've made it to a portion of the show. Um, that is, uh, for a marketing person, it's one of the most miserably branded sections of the show. But actually, uh, in the short time that we've been uh, podcasting, I've already received offers from uh, better brand people than I to actually name this section. But for now, those, uh, those, those offers, uh, nothing's come through yet. So, uh, so we are to the um, very uh, modestly uh, titled fun segment uh, Portion. So we've got three questions, uh, and as I've uh, reiterated uh, on every on every show, to make sure uh, listeners understand uh, our guests, we somehow sometimes we go off script and ask questions about guys like Tim and that we didn't plan on. But these are questions that each Mana uh, guest have has had in advance, and so uh, none of them can feign uh, surprise. Like, wow, that's a really interesting question. Give me some time to think about that, or uh, or, or anything like that. So if, if you don't have answers to them, and I see you've got some notes there, so this is going to be fabulous. All right, so fun <laughs> segment question. Uh, number one, we should use some of the sound effects here for the fun segment. You know, you know, wah, wah. All right, fun segment question number one. If Jesus knocked on your door tomorrow and just wanted to hang out, what would you do with him? You know, I, I did think long and hard about your question. <laughs> And uh, I just, and it was actually, it, o- it opened my mind. I've never thought about it that way, right? I've never said, Jesus knocks on my door and says, hey, let's, we should go do something. What do you want to do? You know what? I would, I would sit down at a restaurant and with him, um, maybe order some cauliflower. <laughs> They're doing amazing things with cauliflower right now. Have you been yeah, to the restaurants? And when I was a much, kid, yeah, he'd marvel. I've, always, I've always liked cauliflower. You'd marvel at that. But yes. he would marvel at <laughs> you've done that to cauliflower. So proud. Um, so proud. And we'd, and we'd pour a glass of wine and, and um, maybe some breadsticks so we'd have bread to break, right? Um, and I, I'm, um, I don't know. I'd, I'd, I'd probably just ask a lot of questions. Yeah. I'd ask him lots of questions. You know, I... Might start with something like, I mean, "You literally sit at the right hand of God." I mean, li- literally. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I, did, I just think there'd be lots of questions yeah, to ask. Yeah, yeah. I like the cauliflower. 
All right, fun segment uh, question. You know, cauliflower is also very uh, surprisingly nutritional. Like for, for the lack of white, color, it's so white and so bland green. looking. Is it good? Is it good for you? Oh yeah, uh-huh. chock full of like, I can't remember now what it is, but <laughs> we we have, we have a gluten free uh, uh, daughter, and so we we go through a lot of cauliflower. Um, all right, fun segment question number two: If you could go to church uh, with any other guy, living or dead, uh, and you can't say Jesus because we've already talked about him, and he's busy cauliflower so right. he can't he's he's tied up uh, presently um so any other guy living or dead who would it be you know my my father passed away a year and a half ago and um and he and he'd had a stroke 20 years prior and so when you asked when you asked me that question um i i my first answer was my father um, and i'd bring my kids with me because when he passed away it was just surprising one of my sons, I have two sons, one's, one's six, um, 16 and one's 18. But one of them said, um, when they learned that he died, he said, you know, I never heard his voice. Mm. Because when my dad, I never talked to him. And um, uh, he, he, had a, he had a stroke um, 20 years prior to passing away. And it took, he was fluent in four languages, um, one of the smartest persons, people I've ever known. But I was in my late twenties, and he um, had the stroke, and uh, and that you know, part of him was, was gone. He couldn't speak, mm-hmm. he couldn't read, and he couldn't write. Um, for that many years? For twenty years, my mom wow. took care of him. Wow, um, she's a saint. Um, she is still living. She's How a, did he? Did he communicate through writing? Or he could. Like that, he or? could come up with a few words. Nouns were a problem, so he got some of his speech back after lots of therapy. But it would be words like "I need the," uh, right? I want some. Uh, so you'd have to either read his mind, which my my wife after my, my wife, my mother after being married him for, they celebrated 60, 60 years together. A wow. third of that, her taking care of him. Wow. But after that much time together, she knew what he needed. Yeah, and uh, and he he could get some words out. Um, but it was I I'd, I'd go to church with him again. Know, and bring my kids so they could talk to them. Yeah. And uh, I think that would be, I think, um, I think that would be a, a, a good, a good experience. That'd be great. Yeah. That's wonderful. All right. And then finally, um, if you had one piece of advice uh, to give a young man about being comfortable living in his faith, um, what would that be? I would tell him to be vulnerable. Open up, open up your heart to love. I think I look at my 18-year-old, and um, like, like I was, and probably like you were, I was, you know, I, I thought I knew everything at 18, and uh, and you don't need to show emotion. You don't have to show emotion. You just kind of, you know, you know everything. <laughs> so, um, and I think some people never move beyond that. They just live their life with fewer emotions. And so I think my answer is to be vulnerable. And to open up your heart to love, to be open, open opening up to, to, to sharing emotions and crying. I had a, a 60-year-old um, guy come into the office um, a few, few weeks ago. And when he talked about his family life and his experience with, uh, with love and with uh, marriage, 
uh, he was in tears, mm. and uh, it was it's you know, just a, a a rough and tumble guy that you wouldn't expect it from, yeah. but opening up to that level of emotion, um, I think it, it it truly allows you to experience life, and and if you don't if you don't share emotions, you you I I don't think you can have relationships, and without relationships, you can't have life, yeah. and so it's it's. That that would be my advice. Um, wear your emotions on your sleeve. Yeah. Tell the truth. Be who God designed you to be. Um, remove worry. Remove scarcity. You know, find ways to live live life abundantly, and and enjoy life. Um, when I say share your emotions, that's not just sad emotions. It's happy emotions. Yeah. yeah. Tell people how you feel. Yeah. And. Uh, and that creates deep, deep and meaningful relationships. And, and then you get to live the life that you were designed to live and the life that God would want you to live. That's great. It's cool stuff. Ted Contag, thank you so much for being on the show. It was, it was my pleasure. Thank you for listening to MANA. If you have any questions or recommendations for future guests, send them to manapodcast at gmail.com. 